I'm excited for you because you avoided last place. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. It was amazing. I'm very, very happy for you. It's amazing to be standing on the shoulders of Mike Hughes, and only Mike Hughes, because everyone else beat me. That is a fact. Well, I think <laughs> I think it's only fair. We did say the winner of our bracket challenge was going to come on the show okay. for praise and adulation. So can we have the winner of the bracket challenge in here, please? It's totally me, everybody! <laughs> Celebrate good times. Come on. Not- I'll give you that you look. I'll give you that you won the bracket, but I, really, I just like last year. I don't really think there's a winner if you don't pick the winner. Well, Brent, you're allowed to think whatever you want. Nobody cares. They only talk to winners, so I assume I got wings coming <laughs> because winners get wings. Well, I hey, learned that on TV. Hey, you know what? Based on our past experience, I'm I I guess I should. Do I need to write you a check, or is there a trophy? Because I remember that I got a check and a trophy when I won our fantasy football league. So. That is that is that is factual. So if you'd like to give me the trophy from fantasy football and a check, I will take it <laughs> gleefully. Thank you very much. What I'm trying to point out is you won nothing. Uh, you I won, won. You just snubbed all of our people that listen to the show. You gave none of them a chance. I didn't give any of them a chance because I knew my bracket was strong. And when you pick all four final four teams correctly, including seven seed Michigan State, you have Duke going to the finals, even though, yes, I had Kentucky beating Wisconsin and then winning it all. Would have been nice to see that. But let's face it. Nobody picked. Duke. I will respect that. The four out of four is pretty impressive. Finally. Although it was basically three. three, I don't believe it. It was basically three number ones and a homer pick because Michigan Michigan wasn't in it. Oh, I'm sorry. So actually. Was it right? Actually, no respect. (laughs) Actually, I'm taking that back. No respect. You got lucky. I got lucky. You picked three number ones. You almost did the Mike Hughes from a couple years ago where he picked all four number ones. He picked all four number ones, and then for the first time in the history of the tournament, all four number ones advanced to the final four. So he did win the bracket that one time. This is not that. To pick a seven seed shows grit determination basketball acumen <laughs> grit really that is correct so uh, see you, you congratulations said to you me said everybody something so dumb that our guest had to reveal himself before we even introduced him <laughs> well then maybe we should just introduce him yeah because i know i'm not going to get any more praise on this show for me doing it myself you'll get none sir. and i can do that without recording it that's correct <laughs> and i probably will to be fair is that surprising no so our guest in studio, since we couldn't have a guest this week because just no one was good enough to beat me at basketball. Well, let's be honest. John John Druska is our guest. John Druska, ladies and gentlemen. Comedian extraordinaire. Yes. We all go You've way seen back. Him. You've seen him on television. You've seen him on uh, stage. You saw him in the Final Four as the spokesperson of, of Napa. You, you saw Driving him. crazy with his mother-in-law in the backseat. Yes. Being terrible driver. Changing my own oil. That's right. So I'll just introduce him as everyone's favorite king of Shark Week. John Drusco, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Woo! Thank yeah! you. <clears throat> Thanks for having me. I'm woefully underprepared for this. I'm 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 a I'm a big sports fan, but I root predominantly with my heart and my gut, and I, I fear you guys are just going to talk circles around me. So oh well. Uh, oh, then we're have hard. you not met Ray before? I'll yeah. try to hang in there. <laughs> I think you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll understand. Ninety-eight percent of what I say about sports comes directly from my anus. So that <laughs> okay. is a fact. Okay. So talk talk to us right now about like uh, where your history in sports comes from, which teams you root for, why you cheer the way you cheer, because obviously you, you have a sports point of view. Yeah. So uh, I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and spent a little time growing up in Ohio. But my mom and dad are from Chicago, and my dad in particular did a great job uh, brainwashing me early with uh, White Sox baseball and Blackhawks hockey. Ooh, okay. And then by the time the Chicago Bulls were making their second three-peat run, we had moved back to suburban Chicago, so obviously... You were there to enjoy it. I'm a Jordan-era Bulls uh, acolyte. 
Bears fan, don't get me wrong, but I just don't live and die with football. I, I never really uh, was exposed to it the really? way I was. Yeah, I thought you would be a huge football fan. I went to a high school with no football team, and then I went to Indiana University, which is my college Which team. also has no, no football, football which, team. <laughs> essentially, yeah. I mean, they're obviously not a football school. So, I mean, I played it with with pals growing up and all that. I like the NFL playoffs. I love the Super Bowl. But I don't live and die with the Bears. I mean, I, I, I'll be the first to make fun of Bears fans pretty much at any juncture. Because so coming in right now, we actually have a special guest, Jay Cutler, ladies and gentlemen. For I, I got nothing Jay against Jay Cutler, Cutler. And, and maybe maybe that, I don't know. I, Jay, oh. this is John Dureski. He's one of the people that did not bid on your autograph football. Uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. An autograph football from a starting caliber quarterback couldn't get 100 bucks For charity, couldn't get 100 bucks people, I would have paid 100 bucks Did you see his autograph? His autograph looks cool. It's a People cool who think autograph. Cutler is the problem with the Bears are idiots. But anyway... Um, that, that's a tale. For, again, what do I know what I'm talking My about? My biggest problem with that Jay Cutler autograph football is that it doesn't believe in vaccination. <laughs> anyway, hey, everybody. <laughs> Chicago sports, White Sox baseball, and I'm a proud uh, Indiana Hoosier alumnus uh, class of 07. So, so nice. you, you and Brent can make fun of me for that. What's that? Because uh, you're a Nebraska fan and went to Nebraska. Yeah. John Dreska is an Indiana fan who went to Indiana, and I'm a Michigan fan who went to Ohio, Ohio Northern you University. Went to Ohio State. Uh, Ohio Northern? Where is that? I used, to, I used to live near Toledo. It's in beautiful Ada, Ohio. Uh, Ada. Toledo, near where Bowling Green University is. Yeah, uh, okay. If you just take the, uh, with the 75 South, about two hours from Detroit, and then get off and go to beautiful by Lima and Findlay, Ohio. Lima? I, I used to live in uh, Defiance. Okay. I, it's right there. I would play soccer against uh, Lima and Finley teams. If you were to take Lima, Ohio, and then see the giant cornfield and go about 15-minute drive <laughs> okay. into the cornfield, there's an opening where there's a very small university yeah. called there's... Ohio Northern University. The fighting polar bears, everybody. There's Let's Tiff- for them. Tiffin, Ohio. Tiffin is a place in Ohio. Why is every... Beautiful little city. Why is every, every city in Ohio is a beautiful place? Every, every <laughs> team Cleveland. around there, every team around there has like a name of something that doesn't exist. Defiance in that Yellow area. Jackets. Well, there are no polar bears. Well, there are there are no Wolverines in in Michigan. Well, you know the story why they're called the Michigan Wolverines. There are no Spartans. No, why? They're called the Michigan Wolverines because around the time of the Civil War, the states used to fight with each other all the time over boundary issues and whatnot. And uh, a guy fought a group of people from Michigan, and they fought so hard, even though they were outnumbered and they were assumed to be outclassed. But they 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 ground him down so hard that at, after the battle he referred to them as a pack of wolverines okay and so therefore it kind of as a point of pride stuck with people from michigan that we would call ourselves the wolverines and the tradition of being assumed to be outclassed has also survived well it survives mostly in east lansing okay where my spartan <laughs> friends are from <laughs> okay we keep it real on both sides yeah so. Um, well, Take fantastic. that, Ray. Well, that's yeah, great. well, thanks for having me, guys. This this will be fun. Yeah, we're going to have a good time out here. we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about this week. we got to talk about opening day of baseball. Woo! How exciting is that for two of us? Uh, we got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yikes. I, I, whatever. Um, we're going <laughs> to talk a little bit of Better Call Saul because the season finale just ended, and it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, it's a lot to say about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, a lot to say about that, as well as a... Uh, because John Dreska's here, we're going to talk a little NHL. Yeah, baby. Hockey playoffs are coming up, people. Ice hockey. And people have complained before, you guys don't talk about hockey, and that's because we don't know anything about hockey. But we have someone in studio who does, so we got to get it out. Gotta it's a do great it. day. Do Dude, it. springtime, baseball, hockey playoffs. So we'll be right back to talk about that after three seconds of... Led Zeppelin. Oh, 
opening day of Major League Baseball is upon us. It is an exciting time to be a baseball fan. Beautiful day. They got the bunting out. You ever been to a game where they got the yeah. bunting? Isn't that a beautiful well, feeling? I prefer teams that hit home runs, but I mean, you know, you should enjoy whatever form of baseball you this like. This is what right. I have to put up with every week. I was I was talking about the cloth decoration oh! that line the walls of ballparks. It's usually playoffs, national national, national holidays, Um, but opening day. Well, it's it's beautiful. Like it really was just a day for baseball. It was really a day to just take the day off if you didn't have it already, and just watch games from sun up to sundown. It's back, baby, it's back. Oh my goodness! I was excited personally because I did not think I was going to get to watch my beloved Detroit Tigers play. Who they play? Cleveland. They played the Minnesota Twins, Ew. one of so the stinkiest teams. So they didn't have a game. Well, the, <laughs> my favorite part about it was the MLB.tv app, which I got through my Xbox. The free game of the day, live streaming, because I didn't want to buy their service. Tigers twins and so I did get to watch my glorious game J.K. Simmons Academy Award winner throughout the first pitch really and the, yes is he oh, a Detroit guy he is, he's a Michigan guy up to the okay. age of 10 okay and so he roots he, Michigan Ohio kind of guy because he's lived both places but uh, we claim that's him. weird Michigan and Ohio these people in Hollywood they just can't make up their mind right seriously gay straight Michigan right. Ohio yep. Jesus fair enough uh, so he came out, <laughs> and they gave him a whole bunch of zaps. And then we win 4 nothing because David Price is a freaking madman. He just went up there dealing all day long. As a Detroit Tigers fan, it was very, very exciting. I'm sure both of you guys had similar positive open, opening day experiences. Well, the NHL playoffs are right around the corner. <laughs> 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 well, John no, and I's teams played each other. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. did they? Barely, I didn't wait, hear about wait, that. Wait, they did? Yeah. Well, yeah. They were both there. That's true. Uh, I wouldn't say that the, they they played. Yeah, no. The Royals really put a put a thumping on the uh, White Sox. Yeah, the ten, Royals have not, and they have not won an opening day game since like two thousand eight. We do not usually come out and play well, but we, I think this first time in five years we've played at home. And I was going to say it was at Kaufman, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe you guys should have put out the bunting. <laughs> yep. Like, oh my god! <laughs> Whatever, Jose Abreu, the way, the truth, and the light did hit a home run. Uh, yesterday, he did. Look, so. that guy is a monster. Yeah, there's no way around that. <laughs> you know what's crazy is last year the Royals pitched him really well. Like, I think he didn't hit a home run until the last game they played against them. Okay, uh, and then this season is like first game home run. Well, I, I brought it up a moment ago off off the air. Is that what we say? Anyway, yes. Before sir. we were recording, this is a nice little AL Central roundtable here. You got. Ray's a Tigers fan, Brent Royals, myself, White Sox. It's nice to just be around like-minded people. And you notice how we didn't allow in futility. Allow any Ohio people in lives. here because we don't want to talk Indians, if we can help it. Uh, you know, the Indians that were on the cover of Sports S-I Illustrated a couple of weeks ago, I was like, get that out of my face. The Indians? <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, as much as I'm loath to admit it, I mean, I feel like the Tigers are the perennial contenders coming out of the AL Central. We're probably going to win the division if nothing uh, else. The question well, is, what do we do after trash. that? That's a pile of trash. I but. think they're wow. definitely going to win. I think they're, this is the year they win the World Series. Probably. That's not what you said last week. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to jinx you right <laughs> yeah. now. Of course you are. That's all you do. <laughs> but yeah, so Tigers are up one. Who, so who did Cleveland play? That's the one AL Central team Cleveland that, that didn't played, play. Uh, the Astros. And the they Astros lost. in division. Okay. Yeah. So we can Corey, much... Klu- Corey Kluber <laughs> gave up one hit and lost. Yeah. It was a big hit, though. It was a home run. Yeah. Well, I believe it was Shakespeare who said, if you think one game will define an entire 162-game season, then you're... <laughs> so... <laughs> 
It's true. Ten ten one on opening day. That was in Titus Andronicus. I good, think, good, I good, believe. good for the Royals. I think he wrote that as a web series. The right? Sox I'm pretty will be sure. Back, yeah. Well, we'll the see. Well, like, the Royals be... had their best year against the White Sox they've ever had last year. I think they won thirteen right. games, thirteen and six. And the White Sox, for I want to say like the last ten years at least, have just owned the Royals. Yeah, I mean, years. I don't mean to rub it in, but they've been e- either the Royals or the White Sox have kind of been the doormat of the Central yeah. for at least a few years. So yeah, uh, but you know, thankfully, 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 we have the Twins. Now, we now yes. have the Twins. <laughs> That's, That's right. True. Yeah. <laughs> We were trying to figure out, are, will the Twins finish with the worst record in baseball? And I think it's definitely because of the quality of teams in their division, they're going to have to play an unbalanced schedule against. There's a very real chance that team Who's could even left. Is Pavano still on that team? Uh, they don't have Morneau. They do have Joe Maurer. Where did Morneau go? Morneau went to Colorado, I believe. Ooh, the Rockies. Which is my a good N- place for NL him. sleeper team. I love that team. Really? It's a fun team to well, watch. They had a good game yesterday. I took a I took a family vacation in '93, the inaugural season. Picked up some Rocky swag, and I never looked back. My uh, my <laughs> buddy who was li- worked at this television station in in around Denver, if not in Denver, uh, for years now, had a, had a tweet yesterday that said something like, uh, "All right, opening day, time for the Rockies to make their annual attack on fourth place." <laughs> oh yikes! And that's a team that was in the World Series within the last decade, so it's not like they've only known futility. Yeah, that was a shame. But that that was a Boston team that just could not be stopped. The two thousand seven, two thousand seven Boston Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. because wasn't that the year that uh, the Rockies swept all the way until the World Series? That was the year that the Cubs, the Almighty Chicago Cubs, got swept by the Diamondbacks, who then got swept by the Rockies, who then got swept by the Red Sox. <laughs> That's the worst playoff. So game that's of all time. negative twelve wins for the playoff Cubs. Of at least they didn't have a four or five wild card game that they could have you know lost before that happened. Right. Thusly right. making it that would be the ultimate like well, you, spring roll. You right have there. Uh, experience with that, right? Because last year uh, the Tigers got swept by the Orioles, who I don't got rem- swept I don't by the that. Royals, who lost to the World Series. So hey, s- seven games. Speaking seven of games. Uh, Cleveland, that was the year that first of all there was the game with the the flies and the the gnats. <laughs> yes. That's it. On Lake Erie, that's all. Cleveland was up three one on Boston that year and totally crapped the bed, and Boston ended up winning the World Series. Cleveland was that close. That happens more than you think. Somebody comes back three one in the Royals. Their only World Series, they came back in three one. Yeah, I mean it's not insurmountable, but it's still God. That's got to eat tough. away at your soul late at night sleeping. Well, it, that's a hard one to give away. Of dollars. Yeah. I've seen the Red Wings do that before, and that, against the Penguins in the Stanley Cup Finals a few years ago, I, I think that it, one hurt a lot. I think it's most heartbreaking in baseball because baseball is such a chess match. There's so many opportunities to try and change the way the game is being played, and to not be able to make the proper adjustments. That's just that's. I mean, that truly, that's got to crush you as it's a player. Like, it's like getting to the World Series and having your pitchers forget how to throw to first base. Yeah, oh. basically. But at least it was like a band aid. It was over quickly. Yeah. We and Brent, now you tell us right here, because me and Brent had a conversation about this before. <clears throat> I think it's less painful to get to the World Series and completely just lay an egg and get swept out or lose 4-1 than it is to do what the Royals did last year, which is have a very competitive series and then have the lead in the game, Game 7, and then lose it at the end, Cleveland Indian style against the Marlins, for example. I think that it's got, because at the end, of, at the end of, if you get swept in a World Series, like the Tigers did both times we've seen them recently, uh, at least there's a moment where you can just go like, okay, 
okay, well, we just weren't. Yeah, win the that. writing's on the wall. But yeah. when it's that close, do you not just like lay awake at night thinking about that one play that could have gone in a different direction? What if they send Dyson around third base? Was it Dyson? Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon yeah. around third if base. If it was Dyson, they send him and he scores. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think I got to agree with you, Ray. I mean, to, to be so close, and, and I'm not trying to rub it in or anything. But <laughs> no, like, no, no. To be, no, no, to, rub to, it in. To rub be, it in to real be hard. so close and then to, you know, eventually have nothing. I, look, I have dreams where Salvador Perez just turns on the first pitch and hits a home run. You know what I mean? So I understand. But I will say, I still feel better. I, I still feel like I can have a sense of pride in the team because they took it to seven games. Sure. As opposed oh, to being absolutely. like, oh, I'm embarrassed. Cause, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's the flip side of the coin is you still got to deal with that crushing loss. But it's like, it le- you know, I, I had this experience last year when the Blackhawks lost to the Kings in the Western Conference Finals in seven games that was in, a, in overtime. Mean, that was a crazy when that When that happens, all, all you can say is the better team won. I mean, as much as it hurts to admit. You know, if you take a team to seven games in any sport, that's why they play seven games because yeah. you know truly the the best team wins. But you, you don't take it seven if you suck, exactly. <laughs> Unless exactly. the other team sucks just as much as you do. Yeah. But in the conference finals, you figure that's not the case. Yeah. But now the the other thing we want to mention here about opening days because we all talk about some of the great things that happened, some of the low lights with the White Sox game. Uh, you know, you, hey, man. you lose ten one in the opener, that just sets a tone. Hey, Amen. <laughs> no, it does I mean, not. No. You know what? You know, what I believe it was Shakespeare. <laughs> you know what bugged me the most about the game? I mean, I, I'm not. I'm, trust what, me, I'm happy. What? What bugged you about it that? It only game? took me one game for me to hate Jeff Samarja. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Because first, Jeff Samarja gives up a home run to Mike Mustakis, an opposite field home run. And, you, and not being a Royals fan, you probably don't know this. Mike Mustakis has never in his life in the in the MLB. This is his fifth year. Has never hit an opposite field home run before. He's a wow. dead pole hitter. Gives up an opposite field home run. And instead of, you know, Samarja being like, okay, well, uh, it's still a close game, he just throws right at the next dude. <laughs> well, I didn't see it. Was, was it truly a peg, or did, oh, he, he, did nailed he lose him. control? Okay. No, he didn't lose control. Well, I, I'm, I'm just I didn't yeah, see it. I don't, well, if you listen to Hawk Harrelson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, that well. was my question. Do you guys ever, now, you as a White Sox fan wouldn't appreciate this, but Brent, do you ever uh, turn on to the opposite team's, like, broadcast, just that. so you can get angry? Oh, angry at the White Sox because that dude is such a homer only when I oh okay I was gonna say I only do that with Dodgers games and that's so I can be calmed and peacefully go to sleep oh Vince Scully Vince Scully's Scully, got the voice of an angel he'll, he'll coach you <laughs> yeah in Pepto-Bismol and that's rock a good question yeah do you ever do that I just, do just that. get amped well, up for I have the, the games you know, yeah I, last, last year was the first year I actually bought the MLB ticket okay I mean I thought the Royals were gonna have a good year and it turns out it was a good investment of course um, yeah but right but I, I would if it was if the Royals were winning and it was if they were like way ahead I would turn it over because I wanted to hear uh, Hawk being like dad gummit that <laughs> is the worst call from a third base umpire, I have seen. That is BS, Brian Gorman. Yeah. I love it when he goes, Dad, gummit. Yeah. I was, I'd be like, stretch, stretch, no! stretch, stretch, dad, gummit. Dude, there was a play. You got you to gotta YouTube this. There was a play last year, I think, they were playing the Marlins, and uh, Gordon Beckham came in, uh, infield pop fly to end the game, like in between home plate and the pitcher's mound. And Gordon Beckham comes in and bumps into his teammate, and the ball drops. And he's he's like, "Oh, Gordon, no, <laughs> no!" And then and then his move nowadays is he doesn't even you know he so he blows up, vocalizes, and then he just he just pouts in the yeah. corner like a little baby. And Steve Stone is left to just be like, uh, "Well, obviously it was a, a, a blown call there by the home plate umpire, <laughs> Fred Willard, but the." Uh, 
See, I always appreciated it when uh, when they're down and he just gets despondent, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it'll just be like, uh, um, and we'll be right back. And six one bad guys. Well, his even more <laughs> e- even more than uh, you can put on the board, etc. I think I think his most endearing and, and longest lasting catchphrase is. Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, a pound for pound, I, I'd put our guys up against almost anybody. <laughs> I mean, he, think, he thinks they are playoff caliber even when they're like 70 and 92. Yeah, absolutely. But that's yeah. what a good homer does. He's <laughs> the best. Be fair. He's the best. Um, no, we talked a little bit about some of the great things we saw. Like I said, some of there were some uh, downsides from opening day as well. There's a couple of teams that don't seem to be ready as far as home field goes. I'm talking about the Miami Marlins and the Chicago Cubs. Uh, What's up with the Marlins? The Miami Marlins forgot to close their roof when it was going to rain. And so their stadium is not equipped to deal with rain. They don't, like, really have a tarp that they can bring on, and it takes 15 minutes to close the roof. Yeah. So despite the report saying that rain was coming, they just left the roof open saying, I don't know, maybe it'll happen. So they, like, had to, like, like hang things over home plates while the stadium was closing. That's news to me. I thought when you said not being ready for opening day, you were talking about the Brewers getting beat (laughs) 10-0 on opening day. I thought that's what you were, I thought that's where you were going. Man, well, to be fair, we could add the Brewers in that just for that one thing alone. That's fair. (laughs) How do you feel about Max Scherzer yesterday? Because he, you know, he's the the te- he's the player that spurned your team. They he offered did. him, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. We did. We offered him a very, very large contract, and he wanted a larger contract. But how are you going to fault a guy from going to one World Series contender and then take more money to go to a different World Series contender? Did you see what happened to him yesterday, though? He got his butt handed to him. Uh, no, he didn't. He lost. <laughs> he he Counts. had retired 17 Counts. in a row. Counts. It was in the sixth inning. He had retired 17 in a row, and then they dropped a pop-up on the infield. I'm sorry. Did they win the game? He retires 17 in a row, and then a pop-up between first and second drops, and that's the game-winning run. That is... That's all it takes. The worst. Dad, gummit. Opening day, infield, <laughs> pop-fly era I have ever seen. It's hit out between first and second. Stretch! Stretch! <laughs> but yeah, it's a little duck snort. Here's the deal. Max Scherzer is probably still going to win 20 games this year. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not crying a tear for him and his incredibly bloated and Dominican Sioux-level contract. <laughs> Well, Dude, you, that guy sucks. You know, it just seems like a recurring theme to me is as soon as anyone can get out of Detroit, they do. <laughs> uh, how dare you, sir? How dare you? We kept Miguel Cabrera. We'll keep more people. Well, but Miguel Cabrera, it he, first of all, it, he's just so fat that it would take him forever to move. So <laughs> that's the deal. Goodness. I can't wait till the Tigers play the Royals this year. I'm already getting amped for it. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be great. Lots um, of opportunities there. But um, uh, John, do you have anything to say about the Chicago Cubs situation? As far as um, maybe well, the stadium's not quite ready to go. Yeah, no, I don't know. Just, I mean, to be honest, it's just like it's just so it's it's sad. I mean, it's and they tried to play it off like, oh, we've got these new Ernie Banks uh, tarps to honor the legacy of <laughs> the greatest <laughs> oh, Cub in me? history. Wow! And really, what they're doing is it's just a terrible attempt to conceal this like massive blemish on, on an otherwise pretty pretty great ballpark. I went to Wrigley last year for the first time in about seven or eight years. Oh, it's beautiful. And I didn't even realize it at the time. I'm so glad I went because it's never going to be the same. This this Jumbotron is blocking half of those rooftops now. Who knows what those bleachers are going to look like yeah. when they're done. They Where, did that on purpose, though, don't you think? Like, I'm, sure, always, I'm sure they they've did. They've always kind of given a middle finger to the bleachers people. I'm sure they did, but it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they've always had a, a contentious relationship with those rooftop people, but it's just so bizarre that they, they, I don't know. I mean, I guess at a certain point, you either got to knock the thing down or upgrade it. 
So they, I guess they made the right choice, but it's never going to be the same. It was, I mean, it's an absolute farce, an absolute shame. You know, I mean, the, the opportunities to make jokes about it are just too numerous to even bother doing here. I mean, every good joke has been made already. It's just... But you the, know what the, they say about the low-hanging fruit? It is the sweetest. Right. What do you think about... Uh, <laughs> How, how do you think that? the Cubs are going to do this year? Because Shakespeare they, said it. People are picking them to do big things. Some people, not me, but this guy, somebody sitting uh, to my right. Somebody here might have picked the Cubs to win, that to win the division this year. Uh, that's a tall order. I, I think they're good, and I think for the first time in a while, they're going to be meaningful into September. But Pittsburgh, call me crazy, is is not insignificant anymore. Yeah. They, nope. they, they could do something. And the Cardinals are a powerhouse. That's a pretty stacked division. I, uh, but I, I like the Reds this year, too. I think yeah, I I think the Cubs are are going to actually matter for the first time in a while more than just a bachelor party destination. And yeah. and I would I would let me defend this pick really quick. I picked the Chicago Cubs to win that division uh, and St. Louis to be the wild card in that division purely because there is all that young talent and it kind of does feel a little bit like Atlanta Braves circa 1989-1990 where if that talent just comes together real quick, they could go on a huge run mid-season once they get all the pieces in place and absolutely sky past a team, an older team like the St. Sure. Louis Cardinals and whatnot. So yeah. that, that's what I'm banking on. So uh, you, you got to take chances with predictions. So yeah. did, did you watch the game yesterday or the other, the other day when they played? The Cubs game. Because the, the problem I see with them is like they have all these guys, they hit home runs, and then they strike out a million times. Yes. They have that Solaire guy. He goes out there and boots like three balls out in left field. <laughs> The first day, I'm like, yeah, I don't, these guys are not ready to win yet. This, uh, it was not, it was an inauspicious beginning, I'll just say. Uh, inauspicious beginning. I still feel like long term, it's a team that's going to find its stride around midseason and start going, or that's going to be equivalent to my Diamondbacks pick from last year or Woo! Texas Rangers pick. Woo! Where nothing happens good and it just dies on the vine. I'm I'm not one of these guys to to put you know too much faith in in front office and what have you. But Theo Epstein is not stupid. And no, 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 pardon not at all. pardon the cliche. He knows how to build a championship caliber team. And so, Joe Madden. The, and Joe Madden, the, the best, best man, manager, the best in manager in baseball, best manager in baseball. So it, probably not this year, but I don't know, man. I, and 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 I hate to say it as a White Sox fan. Uh, I mean. Cubs could be a postseason presence in in two three seasons. If they do not win a World Series with with Joe Madden, can we all just say that they're just never ever going to win a World Series? Yeah, can we send them the to D- Duluth and finally <laughs> get this morbid experiment over with? <laughs> they're definitely getting the best look in the last hundred years coming yeah, I, up in the future. I, I mean, great front office now and great coach. It's going to take more than one year, though. That's what I. Yeah, think. but they need a yeah. field to play on, which yeah. they barely put together Sunday night. Well, they can always just go to the parking lot. And then just there, hey, there, there is no parking lot in Wrigleyville. There, there, oh wait, yes. Yeah, there was talk that they might have to share the Sox Stadium for a while. I guess that they'd ra- they'd rather be shamed on a national scale than go down to the South Side for a couple games. That would be more but, shame on a national scale, wouldn't it? No, it for would the not. People of Chicago, That's an excellent ballpark. <laughs> Can't they go play up in Waukegan or something? It's a family well, friendly like... ballpark. Ooh, nice northern suburb name drop, Brent. <laughs> I went to boot camp at Great Lakes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. There you go. Uh, I used to hang out in the walk. I only I call it the walk. Uh, walk Keegan, but uh, oh, the walk. <laughs> yeah, all right. You ever hang at the walk? No, I've never been up there. I've before. never had done the walk, but I have had the runs. Ah, Rockford. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we'll be right back to talk a little more Final Four after three seconds of Smashing Pumpkins.
So brackets aside, everybody, as much as I would love to talk about my great bracket victory, nobody else in the world wants to hear about it. Is that a fair statement? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You didn't actually pick the winner, so uh, no I one picked, cares. I picked enough winners, sir. Mm, there's only one winner. 63 teams go home. There's only one, one winner. Holds up the trophy. Isn't it like 67 teams? 68 now. I, I, I refuse to, <laughs> yeah. to acknowledge those other teams. Yeah. That's oh, What are you talking about, guys? The opening uh, day is round two yeah. of the tournament. <laughs> it's not the first round. <laughs> no, I don't believe it. Guys, um, with the NIT, it's 99 teams. So. <laughs> I will say, was this game not like a modern classic of our time, though? Wisconsin versus Duke tied at halftime all the way down to the wire and with not for a few calls going a certain direction and maybe Wisconsin losing their composer down the str- composure down the stretch. No, no, no. Maybe Hans, we have a different Zimmer, Hans Zimmer was orchestrating a great game for them. <laughs> And then at the end, they lost their composer. He went for a bathroom break, and the game was over. Yeah. Alan Menken just couldn't fill his shoes. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> but it, modern classic game of our time, what do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Brent, go ahead. I, I mean, it, there was a, there was a, it was a really close game in the first half, and then there was a couple big runs in the second half, and that's basically the game. Uh, it, you know, it was, it, I, hear, I hate that I hear a bunch of people complaining about the refereeing in the game. But it was weird that Wisconsin only had two fouls in the first half, and then a million in the second half. Well, there was a crucial missed call on the on the, the two. that that possession, <clears throat> which was which came at the most crucial time. I think about two minutes left, and they were only down by three or four at that point. Yeah, you know well, that that's where you got to start thinking about clock management and how big your deficit really is. Going back to what you're saying, yeah, there were two big calls. There was the one where the Duke player stepped out of bounds before shooting the ball in for a crucial two pointer, uh, which absolutely made all the difference. Yeah. As well as then the fingertip ball that we all saw in very clear Technicolor glory. Hi, am I the his only one? Fingertip, his am fingertip I the only moved. one that wasn't one hundred percent sure that his finger touched? You it? are the yes. only one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, you weren't the only one. The ref squad working the game apparently are with you on that. Yeah. Because why even have a replay if you're not going to get it right? You're the only unpaid observer who thinks that. I think that balls change motion without you know if they're close enough to touching. It wasn't that the ball changed motion; it's that his finger changed motion in a very specific direction, showing that it had very clearly touched the ball. ball... His finger just suddenly bent the same time the ball was on it. But you know what that could be? That could be the force. Also, but it could be Darth Vader. We haven't ruled that out. Back to your point. That is a a classic ingredient of a classic ball game. Uh, Referee scandal. Yeah. Yeah. As a casual observer, I got to be honest, I I, I watched almost none of the tournament. The the first game I watched cover to cover was the semifinal Kentucky Wisconsin game. Fantastic. Which was beautiful uh, as an Indiana Hoosier. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, it was great. And and again, as a casual observer, it had a, it had a hell of a storyline. You know, it's, it's, you know, the, the corn fed down home blue collar Wisconsin Badgers, the seven foot white guy who can shoot three pointers. Yeah. Yeah. This Frank Kaminsky from the Northern suburbs of Chicago. I mean, how do I not fall in love? And then, uh, Duke, which is one of the kind of evil empire teams of college sports, college basketballs uh, in particular. So, yeah, I mean, and it was a great game. I mean, but beside the final, you know, what, 100 seconds, it was close. If it wasn't close, it was exciting. Yeah. Uh, and then Duke kind of ran away with it. And, well, and then it, how about that time when Duke is up and there's like a minute left and they throw that, they throw that, uh, oh, it was terrible. They they were, that long pass, and the guy goes in for the layup instead of just pulling it out. That's right. Duke yeah. was up by three when that happened, with a minute with a minute to go. Okay. Duke was up by three points, went for the long bomb across. They missed the layup, and I 
Having picked Duke to try to win the bracket was cheering for Duke out of my mind while my wife Melissa was cheering for Wisconsin out of her mind. Uh, I was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're up three points with a minute to go. Burn some clock. Yeah, they could have ran the clock down shot. to about 30 seconds or something like that. Yeah. Even if you miss it, you're still up three. It was just like, w- are we just trying to like poop the game right away just here? You know, the other storyline in this game is like, Bo Ryan talked about it a little bit after the game. He's a little bitter. God, he's uh, a maniac. Uh, but it basically was a game of, you know, seniors, like you said, from the Midwest versus all these McDonald's All-Americans that a lot of them were freshmen. You know, in fact, nobody scored in the second half for Duke except for freshmen. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was only a couple of players. I knew that. I yeah. didn't realize they were all freshmen. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I would just say that down the stretch, though, despite the fact that Wisconsin was a veteran team and Duke was the younger team, you almost have to go down to coaching because from what I saw, Wisconsin with about four or five minutes to go when it really started like getting down to brass tacks really looked like they were starting to lose their composure. They were taking early shots in the shot clock. They just weren't taking their time with their possessions. They were trying to force the ball inside like 1v3, and it was just getting rejected. And then I saw Duke just being able to – they were making mistakes too, don't get me wrong, but they were able to just calm it down just enough, get the open shots, get what they needed, and then hit it. And that, that to me, was the big difference in the game was Wisconsin losing their cool and Duke playing like a Duke team – a classic Duke team that you would expect. Yeah, there was there was some mutual uh, kind of just frenetic uh, madness in the first half, you know, like within the first 10 minutes. But, I mean, there were some exchanges there where they were going down and, you know, they were scoring here and there. But, I mean, just it, it felt like neither of the offenses really got yeah. set until maybe 10, 12 minutes into that game. And then, and then Duke was, a, as you mentioned, was able to maintain that, you know, good kind of energy, whereas Wisconsin was kind of pinballing all over the place. I felt like, too, at the end, I think Wisconsin got up by nine with, what, eight, nine minutes left, something like, like that? Eight or nine, yeah. yeah. And I felt like at that point, they they kind of could feel it. You know, you can feel like, oh, we're really close to doing this. And then as it yep. starts slipping away, they got real desperate. They got, um, yeah. And they start throwing up all those crazy shots that were like air balls and like right at the rim oh, where they were i'm watching the littlest guy on the team try to drive in against three <laughs> giant duke players let go what are you doing let me ask you guys this since you saw more basketball this tournament w- did kaminsky play kind of his normal game yesterday or what was he played he... out of his mind which was his normal game okay he was killing it all tournament long. i think normally he shoots a few more threes because i he did in this game because i see a big know? guy like that i imagine he should be down in the paint and setting screens screens and posting up and he was not doing that is that just the way he plays it was i mean you don't want to draw a comparison to a hall of famer but it's very dirk nowitzki of him okay you know big tall white dude who can also shoot threes and play on the perimeter and then when you need him to go inside he can go in and, and get the layup yeah i think he's a little more like a guy named tony kukoc <laughs> oh god <laughs> my my point is as as a as, as an extremely casual <laughs> observer it, it seemed like kaminsky seemed a little out of his element uh, the other night, but I guess I'm just wrong and I don't watch enough uh, He just basketball. plays everywhere and he happens to be a freaking uh, giant. Yeah. He's, he has tremendous three-point shot. Um, Which he showcased once or twice. Once or yesterday. twice, but yeah. a lot of times he's just out there bombs away. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, well, he's a skinny guy too. He's not like, he's not filled out. You know, he's definitely not going to be... Uh, he's not with, Shaq. Yeah, he's not going to be fused with Shaq or... Or, you know, like a Vladi Divac character. Vladi Divac, excellent, yeah. Um, or an Arvidas Sabonis. I, I have a question. I don't, I don't want to derail the conversation here, but because for me there was at least two evil empires in this tournament, Kentucky, obviously, yep. and Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it feels like there's way more of those in college basketball than almost any other sport. Are there any others I'm missing here? I mean, who are perennial contenders? Like UConn, they, they won two years ago. I don't consider them an evil empire type school. Yeah, the the women's team I would say is an evil empire. Yes, they just yeah. go out and beat everybody. They just 50 pick points. the top ten players in the country, get them all on their roster, and then beat everybody by thirty. Yeah, I mean that's UConn basketball going on. I, the game is going on, I believe, tonight, and I just assume they're going to beat number one seed Notre Dame by at least twenty eight points. Yeah, but like, why is Shashevsky, you know, Darth Vader essentially, and and Tom Izzo is just kind of like the Samuel L. Jackson character. Maybe it's just the fact that uh, Michigan State gets more likable players on their team than Duke has, because Duke gets guys like J.J. Redick, you know, a Christian Leitner, these, these just really, really hateable players. Yeah, people well, really still faces. hate Leitner, don't punchable they? Faces. <laughs> they uh, and that, that 30 by 30 was, was great. Was it a 30 by 30? Yes, Whatever. it was. Yeah, that was a great... About uh, what? About, about, about how I, I hate, hate Christian Leitner. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I gotta check it. Um... I think it's because Kentucky and Duke get all of like, if you look at those like the the McDonald's All-American games from high school yeah. like six of those players will be on their teams every year you know so Michigan State they have a bunch of guys from Flint you know who yeah. they who they, they get build the guys like Mateen Cleaves yeah they're well, a workman type team What These about guys. what about UNC or Kansas I mean those are perennial contenders sure. and Why? when they're good we hate them too yeah. okay okay <laughs> yeah Kentucky I put them on the list uh, Kansas and North Carolina I put them on the list um the year- What about UCLA I mean good. We, we, we talked briefly about so Steve Alford earlier. Nobody remembers when UCLA was good. That's the problem. Right, right. And they did make, what, three Final Fours in four years or three in a row or something like that? But that seems that like in, so far in the rearview window. Even that was window. in the 90s. And, and yeah. Wooden, Wooden was such a class act back in yeah. the day. right. He wasn't covering it. I don't think people hate Shashevsky. stuff. <laughs> I don't think Shashevsky hates is hate is as hated as, as some of those. No, other I think it's coaches. his players. I, think, I really do. I think you're right, but I but because he coaches the Olympic team, and I think that's maybe one of the reasons. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, that's our final four talk. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk a little better. Call Saul after three seconds of Hawk Harrelson. This ball game is over. And in the midst of all of this exciting sports dumb, we got better call Saul finale. Woo! Yeah. Very, very excited. Now, we all, we all saw the finale, of course. Sure. Yeah. Yes, we did. I, you're making me nervous there, Brent. I thought for a second there, like, you, you weren't ready. You're the one that always doesn't watch it. All right, that's, a true, that's a true statement. That's why we pick up and record later, Brent. Yeah. <laughs> In any case, so the finale was pretty much great. This is, this is pretty much taking the mantle of best show on television, right? Mm. What, what show is better than, besides Gotham, what show is better than Better Call Saul right now? The Slap. The Slap. The Slap. The Slap. Uh, selfie? Selfie? That's been canceled. Uh, so, no. Uh, canceled because it was too provocative. It was <laughs> too good for viewers. <laughs> My gracious. Is Work It still on? <laughs> no? Come on, It man. is not. <laughs> Thank you. I was half serious about The Slap. <laughs> Wait, did you watch the slap? I'm currently watching it. Well, is it I good? Heard? It's it's not very good, but it's compelling. And okay. finally, I got like six episodes in. I heard it, six in. It gets really good. It finally, kind of turned around. Interesting. Lot, lots of good actors in it. But anyway, Better Call Saul. Yeah, Better Call Saul, which is uh, I love it so much. It's just every time I watch it now, it's not quite the level of like final season Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones where I sit there afraid to breathe because I'm afraid of just missing a nuance yeah, that but otherwise fir- I wouldn't get. First season of Breaking Bad, did you know that you were supposed to be feeling that way? I mean, Breaking Bad was great from the beginning, but it obviously it, it you know it built in, in, in its latter seasons. I would say season one of Breaking Bad, I felt like this is the darkest comedy I've ever seen in my entire life, okay. and it's great. But the last two seasons of Breaking, or Breaking Bad, yeah, you're right. 
that's when it really just started coming into it. The characters all kind of came full circle. Everybody was feeling it. It's just a perfect culmination of everybody being great at the same time together. So what? very briefly, I don't mean to uh, disrupt your guys' conversation here. I mean, how can you pitch Better Call Saul? Is is it a dramatic comedy? Is it a, is it? Are there elements of humor? Is it is it more of a straightforward kind of crime thriller? W- what is this show like? It's just like Breaking Bad. Okay, yeah. it's exactly the same in tone. So and it feel. sucks. How dare you say? That? <laughs> <laughs> it's a comedic. It's a very dramatic show with lots of elements of comedy in it. For gosh sakes, it stars Bob Odenkirk. And I saw an episode yesterday. Uh, Bob Odenkirk, Berwyn's finest, by the way, born in Berwyn, Illinois. Nice. Uh, Michael McKean. Michael McKean, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay. Plays yeah. his brother Chuck on the show. Okay, cool. Chuck, who in the previous episode completely was revealed that he was completely selling out his brother the whole time and not telling him. Wow. And the reason why Saul was having such trouble getting in at the law firm and, and just being happy in life, he never once considered the fact that his brother Chuck was the one keeping him down. It was always somebody else, and he'd run crying to Chuck, only to find out that Chuck was the puppet master the whole time. Interesting. Pulling the strings. And he basically was doing that because he didn't respect the the uh, the law program he had gone through. Flat You're not out. a real lawyer. Yeah. Flat out said, I earned my law degree and you scammed your way to yours. You'll never work in my law firm. I'm doing that as a favor to you because you're an embarrassment. From his uh, trusted brother. But meanwhile, brother. you know, uh, he's been taking care of his brother for health reasons for years. Yep. So imagine, you know, your brother's, you're taking care of your brother for years and all of a sudden you find out the reason you didn't book stuff is because... He was calling casting directors and telling them not to cast you because you aren't good enough. I'm bipolar, yeah. Uh, And this all predates the Breaking Bad. It's all pre-canon. Okay, it it, it jumps back and forth in time a little bit. Oh, Uh, like the opening episode, uh, the opening shot is from after Breaking Bad, but everything else has been pre-Breaking Bad, and they'll go back even like deeper in time to Saul's past up until. What we would you say it's like maybe two years before Breaking Bad happens, probably oh, in that yeah, zone. Maybe we'll see. We'll see it. We'll see yeah. how it all plays out. But definitely, like you're seeing the character, who he's trying to be, and then the outside forces, and then who he's become, just even over the course of this season. Because I mean, just I mean, we'll, we'll spoiler it here, folks. I mean, let's face it; you should have seen it by now. Sorry, um, but basically, he ends up like getting completely destroyed by his brother Chuck in the penultimate episode. Goes back to Chicago, and Brent, it was very clearly Chicago, right? Yes. Those giant open desert skies and and it's actually Waukegan. Sand. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a conversation being like that is so obviously not Chicago, but then they walk into a bar and he orders two old styles, <laughs> thus proving it was Chicago everybody. Telegraphing uh, it all the way. What's more Chicago <laughs> and definitely not shot in New Mexico yeah. than that. He should have said Hey, I'll have two old styles and rig this election for me. Yeah. <laughs> Guys know any dead people who can vote from 100 years ago? Yeah, th- Just asking questions. Another guy walks in and goes, hey, you guys, anyone know how to get to Naperville? <laughs> <laughs> So what did you guys think? It was it was fantastic. Is he, the, I, I'm sorry, real quick. Is this like the eighth episode? Like how many episodes? Ten, ten episodes. Okay. okay. Game of Thrones. Ten episodes and out. Okay, so go on. And he meets up with a guy we met previously in the season. Uh, I call him Todd because it's Todd from Last Man on Earth. But I call was, him Migo because he was Migo on uh, Running Wild. There it is. And his name is Marco because that's the name of the episode. That's the only reason I remember it. And uh, he meets back up with Marco, who he was running scams with in his past before he decided to kind of go into law and try to be somebody good uh, before Chuck destroyed him and made him not want to be a good person anymore. Yee. And so he meets up, meets up in Chicago because he just needs to find himself. Goes to the bar. It's Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. He buys an old style for his friend Marco, who's passed out on the bar, <laughs> drunk at 4 p.m. on a Wednesday. 
Yeah. Yikes. And, and immediately says, let's go, but let's do it. We're back. We're back in the life again. I think to me... And the, is that the end of the episode? No, that's that's like 10 minutes oh, in. the beginning. Yeah. I'm sorry. Brent, go I, on. I thought the funniest part of this episode for me was, you know, he falls back in this lifestyle of they're scamming people. And the best part is he he wakes up, you know, basically all... He's still drunk. He wakes up in the morning and this and this lady walks in and goes, Hey! You're not Kevin Costner. <laughs> and she storms out with her friend. She gets like all convinced, mad. convinced some lady that Bob Odenkirk was Kevin oh, Costner. Oh, I get it. Okay. And went home with him. And the next morning, it was like, yeah, Kevin, you're not Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner lives in a basement apartment yeah. with his overweight friend. <laughs> with a mattress on the floor. In Chicago, sleeping in the living room <laughs> of his one-bedroom apartment. You're not. You're not. You're not. Guys aren't from the pizza place. Either the dumbest character ever or the drunkest character ever. One of the two, oh, and maybe both. Assuredly, yeah. Assuredly, there were judgment impairments happening the night before. So he goes back. He, he and the thing about the the scam game is that Saul and Marco are really, really good at it. Yeah, like they know these scams, and it's just the classic scams you've heard people talk about. They're like about. Gondorf and Hooker from The Sting. You know. There you go. But they're doing like the found money scam, the rare coin scam. You know, I'm sure they're doing like, you know, uh, uh, unclaimed property, unclaimed property scam. And they're just like running hustles on people in bars and just making money off of it. And Saul does it for basically an entire week. Right. Mm-hmm. And then finally has a, a come to come to Jesus moment. where He's just like, I, I do elder law and I have 16 voicemails from old people who really do need my help right now back in back in New Mexico. Because he wants to be the next Matlock at this time. Okay. And so he's just like, hey, we're done. We got to go. Like, I, I got to go back. Like, this has been a hoot and a holler, and I needed this to clear my brain after all the poop that's gone down this entire season. But Marco's got other plans. Well, he says do one more. It's like every movie. Every cliche. Sure, yeah. sure. I got one, one, come I on, got, one more. I got one more. Hey, we run the fake Rolex scam. I've got one last Rolex. Yeah. We got to go run the scam one more time where Marco hangs out in an alley and pretends to be a drunk guy. They find his wallet, the found wallet scam, but then they decide to split it. They, they, all of a sudden it's revealed he's got a Rolex watch. So the guy gives him all the money plus more of his own money to keep the Rolex, which is worth like a buck fifty. That's the scam that they're running. And so they go to run the scam one more time. And they find the drunk guy in the alley, Marco. He's dead. Yeah. He had a heart attack right there. Immediately, you could tell something was off. Well, he wasn't scam. dead because he talks to Saul, but then well, he, he comes back for he one gone. second. He gone. He gone. You can take him off the board. Yes. yes. No. <laughs> All right, go on. But then, yeah, Marco basically says, this is the happiest day of my entire, the happiest week of my entire life. Come on, lifespan. Stretch. Marco just basically he's been miserable since Saul left ten years ago, and just it was just such a happy moment for him. Like it was really sad. It was really bittersweet. It was really just uh, you wanted you were I'm in that moment. I don't know about you. I was so happy for that character to finally get one last like one last pull at the bronze ring, the brass ring, and then and then and then go out on top in his own mind. It's the saddest. He's dying in an alley of a heart attack sent from a terrible lifestyle of an entire life. But in that moment, he's never been happier. Yeah, it's kind of an allegory for um, a Tigers fan. Yeah, yeah. He made it to the World Series, <laughs> got swept, but he knows this is the best it will ever be again. Right, yeah. right. I hate yeah. you both right now. This is for, for the record. <laughs> so, so I think it's more. I think it's more like a Lions fan, actually. <sighs> I mean, look, they because oh, they at least had they Might can be truth they that. can look back and go look. We had the most overrated running back of all time, and wow. I'm happy with that. <laughs> that wow. is a statement of wow. falsehood. 
Guys, we don't have another and of course 20 I'm minutes talking to about you. And of course I'm talking about Joyke Bell. Joyke Bell. I knew you were talking about Joyke Bell. <laughs> How dare you. Wow. Anyway, uh, final thoughts on the season of Better Call Saul. I mean, obviously we'll be back for season two. Great first season. Uh, I, You know, I think we talked about this going in. We didn't know. We thought, well, it'll, maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll just be like, eh, whatever. But it was... No, they really went for it. I think it's it. every bit as good as Breaking those, Bad. Those were my questions. I mean, yep. how tonally and, and story-wise, how does it match up with Breaking Bad? Yeah, it's very, very, it's very similar, similar. Very much the same. I mean, it's like you feel real heartbreak. You feel real laughs when the laughs happen. Um, you, you, feel, you, you feel like you get to know these people, and they feel real. And the, I guess the ending, the ending shot of the whole thing, which was going to set up season two in a big way, because we're wondering, how does he become Saul, right? Mm-hmm. How does he become this person who just doesn't care about morals anymore? And there's that last scene where he's talking with Mike at, at leaving the parking oh, lot. Yeah, he's 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 hanging out with Mike at this point. That that yeah. I was aware of. I yeah. saw in a yeah. trailer or something. Yeah. And uh, and they, they kind of have an appreciation for each other. They're not friends, but they're definitely friendly acquaintances. They've done a job or two together. Uh, uh, and they trust each other. They respect each other, at least to a point. I don't know if Mike respects Saul, but maybe to a point he does because yeah. he's the lawyer he calls when he needs him. But um, he basically says, like, earlier in the season, we had, what, $1.6 million just sitting there on a table that we could have absolutely split and walked away from it. And why didn't we do that? Why the hell didn't we do that? And he, he said something about doing the right thing. Well, That's he, my Mike impression. Well, what, what's, what's his name? What's that actor's name? Jonathan Banks, who plays Mike, yes, and I believe Dean Norris, Dean Norris from, from, from Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad, Indiana, born Hoosiers. There you go, Indiana natives, I wow. think. Yeah, and Bob Odenkirk, Berwin's best. So here, you you personally taking responsibility for basically, Breaking Bad? Basically, right I'm now. in the show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it counts. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, Vince Gilligan. <laughs> but then, final scene of the show is basically we had $1.6 million, $800,000 a piece. We could have walked with it. Mike basically says, I was paid to do a job that wasn't part of the job. I'm an honorable criminal. That's how I do things. And then Saul's line, you remember at the end, he just says, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. Next time that kind of money's in front of me, I will take it. And he just drives off credits. Like, oh, that's how he became such a terrible, terrible person. He, it was beat into him by life. I mean, is there any sort of? I'm sorry, no, Brent. Go go, no, no, is there any sort of romantic uh, situation in this yeah, first season? There's there the Blondie Pants lawyer Blondie from Pants Franklin lawyer and Bash, Kimmy. 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 Yeah, okay. good, and good, uh, good name. Yeah, and she works at like the rival law firm that his brother Chuck is a is a okay. member okay. of. Okay. Yeah. Partner in. And so there's that going on, and they obviously they had a romantic relationship in the past, and now it's sort of just like a friendly. They really care about each other, but they both know they're. It's just it's, not there. It's it's pretty fun because you know he's he's trying to start his own office, and he has, he basically has this room in the back of a Korean nail salon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After hours, all the cucumber water you can drink. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's his perk. Excellent. But anyway, so we love Breaking Bad. We love Better Call Saul. We're gonna keep going. And next week, Game of Thrones starts again. Oh, that ah. I can talk about. Ah. I, won't, I won't be here, but I could talk about that. Who says? Yeah. We'll have John Dresco back for Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay. okay. We'll get you or Aaron Rodgers, one of the two. He's a big Game of Thrones fan. He sucks. You know what? Let's get John Dresco instead. What do you think? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers can you know, pontificate on some Game of Thrones, though. I've seen him talk at length about the king in the north. Yeah, but I think John's Which, right. I think also he he does suck, though. He, I <laughs> yeah. think he also refers to himself as the king in the north. <laughs> yeah, he is. <sighs> we'll knock him off one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and we'll be right back to wrap up the show after three seconds of Chamber Pot. Rusty leaves, get your gun. Don't worry, we're having fun. Heat up battle, really get scared. Can't we be stopped? We really don't care. Here's a tripwire. I mean, followed. 
And we are back to wrap up the show here. But before we go, playoffs, NHL playoffs. Yes. When was the last time we talked about hockey on this show, Brent? When the Kings won the Stanley Cup. Oh, it's a while. Just been a while. Which was twelve hours before I bought all my gear. I'm kidding. He's not kidding, gentlemen. There's a little truth in that. This this is what I live for every year. I I have a couple buddies who love. The uh, NCAA men's basketball tournament. You know that that, okay. that that first Thursday is like you it's know like cr- Christmas Christmas morning. Yeah, yeah. It is. thirty racks of beer and all that playoffs, baby. NHL playoffs, hockey playoffs. Talk to I me about the playoffs because I'll be honest, Dave. I'm a Red Wings fan. Brent's an adopted Kings fan a year ago. Yeah, my, there's no Kansas City team. There's yeah, nothing really root for. So. so you could be a St. Louis Blues fan in theory, but probably uh, not. You That's know, what? I mean, Blues I, or Avalanche. Maybe? I own a Blues jersey, but I, I you know, I I'm kind of. Kansas City is the mortal enemy of. I like that. I like that. It just it just doesn't feel right. right. So I mean, so we I'll watch the I'll watch hockey during the playoffs. I'll get hunkered in, especially if it's a big matchup like back in the day when the Red Wings would play the Blackhawks. Sure, I'd get together with some Chicago friends. We'd watch it at like Buffalo Wild Wings. I'll pick games up on TV when they're on. But I'm honestly like I really don't know what to think about this NHL season. Thank God you're here. Yeah. Lay well, it out for me. What's going on? Well, so th- there's a few teams that are obviously in. The, the Western Conference top four are set. Nashville, St. Louis, uh, Chicago, Anaheim, not necessarily in that order. Um, also, you know, the, so the, the divisions play each other first and then on to the conference and then to, you know, to the league championship. Absolutely. The wild cards are still being set, uh, and there's like two or three games left for every team. So... Real, this really the sweetheart story coming out of the Eastern Conference are the Ottawa Senators, who were down and out, just a garbage pile trash team about two weeks ago. They have uh, this new goalie. I think he was a backup for a while. They might have brought him out of their farm system, Hammond. If you could double check me there for who the Ottawa Senators goalie Ottawa. Hammond, who uh, is nicknamed the Hamburglar because his, I've seen the mask. His, his first yes. his first twelve or thirteen games, he went like eleven one and one. Nice, and he's you know in a way single handedly elevated the Senators to almost playoff status. They are nipping at the heels of not only perennial contender. Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, is Sidney Crosby still um, uh, a Nancy boy? <laughs> can you uh, confirm this for me? I can confirm. Uh, <laughs> but the Penguins are in a free fall. I mean, they, they could pull up and, and pull away with it. Current, if the season ended today, they'd make the playoffs. But the Senators are making Penguins fans and Bruins fans sweat because of this guy, Hammond. Is yeah, it? Andrew Hammond. Andrew yeah. Hammond, the Hamburglar. Ottawa fans have been throwing hamburgers on the ice after games. That's I love amazing. It. And Ottawa Senators players have been picking them up and taking bites out of them. <laughs> That's trust. So if you're That's look- trusting your fan base. If you're looking for an inspirational, kind of emotional storyline, keep an eye on the Ottawa See, Senators. I was a big fan of the Senators when Alexei Yashin used to play there, and they were like winning the President's Cup and then being like that 1-2 seed for about three years That's there. right, yes. And then they, and then they would Daniel just Alfredson. Blow, Daniel Alfredson, yeah. then they blow it in the playoffs yeah. every single time. They would always crap the bed. Now, coming out of the East, you know, the Rangers are very good. The Islanders are significant for the first time. My money's on the Montreal Canadiens because championships come down to goaltending, and I think Carey Price is the best goalie uh, in the Eastern Conference. Better than uh, Quick? I said Eastern <laughs> Conference. I think John Wait Quick... Wait a minute. You're saying Mrazek isn't, isn't your choice? 
Who the hell is that? That's our backup who just... Better than the Hamburglar? Oh, the, the, the Detroit He's guy. not better than the Hamburglar. No. What a lot of people don't know is last year, the Rangers played the Canadians in the Eastern Conference Finals, and in the first game, uh, there was a arguably dirty hit laid on Carey Price, screwed up his knee. He was out for the rest of the playoffs. Rangers won. They go on to get demolished by the Kings. If the Canadians play the Kings in last year's Stanley Cup Finals, rematch of the classic 94 Finals, the gretzky Carbon Gretzky one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it might have been the Canadians winning the Stanley Cup last year. Now that Carey Price is healthy, presuming he stays healthy, I think the Canadians are not going to run the table. It's going to be tough. they got to go through New York, probably Boston, possibly your Detroit Red Wings. But I think the Canadians are going to win the Eastern Conference. Wow. So it, who's your pick for the Stanley Cup Finals then? <sighs> I think it's Chicago, Montreal. Of course you do. I, I, and, and, and no, <laughs> I'm waiting for you to say it. But it's true. It's true. Now, Chicago comes out of an incredibly, incredibly stout division. The Predators and Blues are going to make the playoffs. It's still up in the air who's going to actually win that division and get the number one ranking for the, the, the quarterfinal uh, rounds. But, I mean, Anaheim is good. Don't get me wrong. St. Louis is stout. I think in a seven-game series, especially when Patrick Kane comes back and he's healthy, I don't think the Blackhawks can possibly lose the seven. The game big series. red machine, Patrick Kane, Mister Showtime. There he is, Showtime so Kane. This is where I'm just going to arbitrarily say the Red Wings are going to win the Stanley Cup this year, so that way we can look back on it when it happens. But obviously, because you're way more knowledgeable than me, nobody's expecting it to be true. So I'll just put it out there just for the sake of argument. I think it's going to be a Blackhawks Ducks Western Conference Final. Nice, and then it's going to be a uh, Canadians. Red Wings? Maybe. Probably not. Um, I don't know. Maybe a Canadians-Rangers uh, uh, Eastern Conference The only final. thing I know from watching this season is as long as the Red Wings don't have to rely on a shootout in order to win any games. Well, that doesn't happen. doesn't happen in the playoffs. In the playoffs. I'd say we have a better than average chance. I'll I, say that. I think it's a rematch of the 71 finals. Montreal, Chicago, Beautiful. and the Blackhawks take it in seven. There you go. Brent, you I, got any thoughts on this? I can't say that I've even watched enough hockey to make it uh, you know, a feasible prediction, but I will say this. I don't think anybody wants the Kings to slip into that last playoff spot. <laughs> Why not? Be- because they haven't really had great uh, regular seasons when they've when they've gone to the Cups. They've won the they've won the know? Cups looking like garbage. And you've all got season Jonathan long. Quick, who's just uh, you know p- plays at a different Jonathan level. Jonathan Quick playoffs. is the best goalie in the league, but th- this is a, a, a you just a, said it came down to it comes down to goalies. But this is a different Kings team than than one last year. Uh, you know, it doesn't come down to one person, but they lost Slava Voinov due to domestic abuse. Ooh. Uh, so Voinov, one of the better defensemen they had, is gone. Drew Doughty has not been playing the way he should be playing. Uh, even Dustin Brown has kind of underproduced yeah. this year. Quick is legit, but he's also fallible and he's human. Sure. So and when you go up against an offensive powerhouse like the Anaheim Ducks, uh, to a lesser extent, maybe the Vancouver Canucks, I mean, eventually that, that wall is going to break down. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean... You know, Mike Richards dropped off. He went down to minor leagues this year. Jeff Carter is still legit, but they got a lot of talent. The Kings are not, you know, don't brush them off, but they're beatable. In a seven-game series. They're definitely beatable based on the the regular season, but I will say that they have, in the past few years, really stepped up in the playoffs and played better than they have in the regular season. And they have shocked people who had low expectations. I mean, I know the Ducks don't want to see them in the first round. That's true, but but the Ducks can take them. You've heard it here first. Absolutely. John Druska is burying the L.A. Kings, everybody. People of Los Angeles, he has just buried your Kings. They gone. They gone. Quickly. Get ready there. Quickly. Gotcha. In any case, it's time to wrap up the show. There's your NHL corner. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much to John Druska for being here today. Thanks for having yeah. me, guys. This was fun. <laughs> having a good time, absolutely. Uh, we got lots of other people. Of course. Well, first of all, let's do some contact information. John, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you got coming up? Any shows popping uh, that you want to let people, let people know about? Yeah, I got a sketch comedy show with my excellent group, Jet Jaguar, April 12th, 9 p.m., I.O. West, 6366 Hollywood Boulevard. Nice. That's right after Top Story Weekly. That's true. Yeah, that's uh, a great Mystery Science Theater uh, reference, Jet Jaguar. Oh yeah, it is. It's it pretty is a, fantastic. A, like a, an old Godzilla. He's a hero character. From the, yeah, yeah, from that. Um, so I got a sketch show Sunday the twelfth, and I got an improv show with my boys. Daddy doesn't live here anymore. That's Saturday the eighteenth. Beautiful at eight o'clock at the I.O. West. Well, nice. that's good stuff right there. We well, have contact information. If you want to contact us, uh, first off, thank you for listening to the show. Yeah. First off, yay. yeah. Check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on Stitcher Radio. We're on both of those. Uh, Ray's and Brent Podcast. You can do a search or just go to raybrentpodcast.com or check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash raybrentpodcast. Click like all the links to everything you're ever going to want to know. Or do it there. right now. Just, you know what? Just pause do the it, show. Do it, do it, do, do it. it. Or just wait till we're done and do it. Just do I it. Will, That's the key. You do it right now or I will send John Druska to your house. He will make you ride in the back of his car and it will not be a pleasant experience. That's not that. That was allegedly no. Isn't there a documentary coming out about that pretty soon on HBO? Well, it's been very beautiful for me. So, <laughs> going steer s t e e r. In any case, the story of a beef fanatic. <laughs> in any case, you can all check us all out on Twitter. The show's at Ray Brent Podcast. I'm at Almighty Ray. I'm at Scoops Pope. At John Druska. Beautiful right there. You can email the show, raybrentpodcast at gmail.com. I think that's all the links we need to worry about. We've got to thank people. John Druska, thanks once again for being a part of this. Thank you, yes. Ray and Brent. Thank yes. you, guys. you got to also thank uh, Jeremy Buck and the Bang. The train wrecks. got to thank the train wrecks. we got to thank David Knoll for producing the show. Dino. Still nobody call, except you calls him Dino. Well, that's, that's enough. That's, that's enough right there. Yeah. we got to thank um, Jordan Monsell. Silhouettes by Jordan on Facebook. He made our logo for us. Yeah. Oh, that's a great logo. I love the logo, I right? I love that yeah. thing. That's yeah. our steampunk caricature cutout. Yeah. Just Jordan Monsell. He's a beautiful man. Yep. Friend of the show. Uh, anybody else you want to thank, Brent? Uh, Matt Stafford. Why do you well, need to thank? Well, he just got I, married over the weekend, which is exciting news. But uh, why do you need well, to thank him? Is like it? To, I'd is like it? to thank her for taking him off the market, you know. Um, were you worried he was gonna, you were going to meet his wares and yeah, baby. disappear into the night? No, I just I, I, he reminded me of something great, which was that uh, they showed how he was one of the most overrated uh, number one draft picks of all time. Who said that? Me. Oh. Just now. Didn't you hear me? I, <laughs> apparently that happened. <laughs> all right. Well, good night, everybody. You're going to have to drag me.